0: So welcome to the Unified CXM Experience, and as always, I'm your host, GradCon CXO at Sprinkler, and this is always one of my favorite shows. We're doing an interview show today um, with a CMO. Uh, Today, we're introducing Sonia Sani, and she is the CMO for Molecular Imaging and CT Scanners at GE Healthcare, uh, which sounds like just an awesome job. And as some of you know, I, I did work in healthcare many years ago in Microsoft Research, so I uh, had a chance to actually work pretty closely with GE, which is one of the great healthcare companies out there and you know, just generally one of the great companies in general. So, uh, Sonia, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so
0: much, Grad. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, 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 really happy that you're here. I know it's a Friday afternoon and there's a lot going on. It's super busy. Uh, the world is crazy right now, but I do appreciate the time you're taking to just connect with us. We'll talk about marketing a bit. I think we'll start, though, by talking about Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, uh, which we share in common. So, what, what, what year did you graduate and what's your, what was your degree?
1: I graduated Queens in 2003 mm-hmm. and um, I graduated in biomechanical engineering so nice. we were the purple jacket people
0: So you're a, you're a plumber
1: <laughs> Exactly exactly and you
0: So so was your jacket it was gold initially did you just like get it purpled or do you have any yes. gold left on your jacket or how how purple did it get
1: so my jacket was not the best example of a jacket because you're supposed to tape duct tape all the zippers and the you know whatever buttons are on there so that when you dye it purple, you don't mess up that. And then you're supposed to remove that duct tape and then fix what right. didn't get dyed. I never ended up fixing what didn't get dyed. And you're supposed to also kind of rough it up in the first few days. And so I threw mine on the road. And then a bus came and took Whoa. it down the street. So roughed mine got up. really roughed up very Holy quickly. Smokes. So it doesn't even zip up, and I don't know. It's in my parents' house somewhere.
0: Wow, that's um, oh, you're. I like I like that spirit, though. You really went for it. Um, <laughs>
1: I tried. <laughs>
0: yeah, my jacket actually still looks like pretty new. Um, so I'm was a commie. Uh, I am 85. And um, I have a purple jacket, a commerce jacket. Um, but, yes. you know, I actually, all my friends were engineers. Actually, one, one year at homecoming, I was completely purpled, like face and hands. And, you know, um, it took me a long time for that to come off. But the uh, <laughs> my jacket has flecks of it all over it, but doesn't actually, didn't get completely purpled like the engineering jackets. That's pretty cool. So, um, yeah. so you know, avid reader of golden words or, you know, kind of what was your favorite part of your yes. Queen's experience?
1: yes avid reader actually one of my um uh kind of friends from school was a writer there and one of you know still the funniest writers i know um and uh it was yeah that was definitely a good part clark hall pub was a good part nice um right? we had uh you know a nice kind of spot at queen's where was it johnson and near the church that giant saint mary's cathedral it's right. a beautiful Place there, so we really enjoyed our experience. Yeah,
0: yeah. How about you? Uh, well, you know, I actually worked on the Commerce newspaper, the Commerce Chronicle. Uh, yeah. But you know, huge amount of respect for Golden Words. I just thought that was, that still I think is one of the great campus newspapers. I think it's not as recognized yes, so. as it should be. I think it's one of the great campus newspapers, you know, anywhere. Um, but I, I there's one thing I really missed from Queens, and this is something you would not have known about. But there was uh, there was the uh, engineering pub the, mm-hmm. for some reason, Commerce Society never had a pub, so I don't, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the Alfies was actually run by a bunch yeah. of Comstock people, so so I guess right. we kind of sort of thought of Alfies as where uh, where we were kind of getting. But you know, would have been nice to you know just generate the revenue. But there was a pub that um, I loved. It was called the Quiet Pub, and that was the Arts and Science Pub, hmm. and it's been gone for a while. It's been gone since sort of the mid yeah. to late nineties, but. It was literally a quiet pub. It was, you go in, there's no screaming or shouting or bands. It was just a place to have a nice drink, and they serve cocktails. It was actually quite nice. I uh, spent a lot of time in the quiet pub and had some really great, really great memories there. But, uh, but let's go on to marketing for a second. So, so sure. let's talk a little bit about your job. It sounds like a pretty interesting job, uh, obviously, with some pretty serious technical hardware involved. Um, molecular uh-huh. imaging is just a great. A great set of words. Um, you must be like just hilarious at uh, family get-togethers. Uh, so, so tell me about molecular imaging and sort of what like what's all that about, and what kind of key things that you have to worry about on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, so um, you know, I'm essentially a product marketer, uh, yep. which means we are the marketing team for specific products, as opposed to kind of the corporate or central marketing team at GE Healthcare. And with um, molecular imaging, it comprises of things people have probably heard of, maybe a PET CT scanner or a SPECT CT scanner or radiopharmacy, which generates the stuff that we inject into patients for a PET CT scanner. So there's a lot of uh, scanning going on there, a lot of imaging, and then as well, CT scanners, which I think most people have heard of. So that's pretty much the big iron equipment um, that we deal with. And mainly we work um, closely with hospitals, clinics, radiologists are probably our biggest buying persona and technologists who are the users of the actual equipment. So radiologists read the images, technologists uh, use the equipment more or less. Mm -hmm. And then um, administrators, so radiology administrators or hospital administrators. So that's kind of who we're trying to you know, sell our equipment too.
0: And do you consider yourself like a pure B2B play or is there any part of what you're doing that's got a B2C component? Are you trying to reassure patients in any way or create any kind of patient preference? Or are you just straight focused on radiologists and their the other folks that you mentioned a minute ago?
1: Yeah. I mean, good question. I think that, well, there's, there's two aspects to it. One is that I think in marketing, if you can tell your customer something about their customer, you are providing a lot Mm. of insight to them. I like that. So let's stay there for a second. Patience. That's super
0: profound. (laughs) You know, actually, we've had a lot of guests on this show. I've never heard anyone say that before. So let's say that again. I just want to make sure we double click on that for a second. I love that. If you can tell your customer something about their customer and finish the sentence for me, what did you say after that?
1: Then you are. Then they. You're more insightful to them. Then you're oh. acting as a consultant to them. Right. So, the patient is the hospital's customer, um, right. especially in the U.S., where it's you know private healthcare. Um, and so, their customer is the patient. So if I can tell them something about their customer, the patient, then I provide value to them.
0: Huh. So So can you give me examples? Like, I don't want to like tread into anything that's secret or, you know, but if there's any, any way of sort of just bring that to life for a second, like how would I, and then maybe just, let's walk through like you tell this thing and then what reaction do you get from your B2B customer with the information you share?
1: Sure. So, you know, there's lots of different aspects to this. One of the things that I would say we try to do is get a better patient experience. And of course that sounds like, the right thing to do and, and people would do that. But if we, when we do a study with patients and we find out that they get really anxious inside the bore of the CT scanner, because it's this enclosed area, if we can talk to them and see what would make them feel more comfortable in there, um, what we did with pediatrics, um, you know, pediatric patients, of course, harder to have them sit still. And when you're trying to take a picture, It's really important to have patients, you know, being still uh, lying down in the gantry. And in we had them color these little designs in the waiting room. And then when they go into the CT scanner, they see the same designs when they're looking up at the bore. And then that kind of calms them down because there's a familiarity there. And so, you know, we did a little bit of work with patients to understand what, would make them feel more comfortable, and familiarity was one of them. So that's how we kind of connected that all oh, together. What a
0: neat idea! Um, I I think I'm going to the wrong hospitals because they usually just strap <laughs> me down and shove me in and tell me to shut up and stop moving. I, I I don't get this kind of. This is really cool. So when someone does the drawing, is it the drawing itself that's put in there, or is it's actually projected? No, through it's a,
1: just the same print. It's it's a it's a kind of a complicated paisley looking design. And so they see that and then they go inside and they see that again. And it's,
0: I think it just also feels
1: less sterile uh, as a hospital room. Uh, The other thing is for patient safety. I mean, radiation dose is a big concern. Yeah. Um, So
0: especially in CT, that the radiation dose is huge.
1: Right. Absolutely. a, A huge topic, but I wouldn't say it's huge. Radiation dose itself is, is getting quite low. Oh, is it really? Um, in CT. Oh, okay. Yes. Absolutely. You have to fill me in so, on that
0: because I, I must be operating on old knowledge there.
1: Yeah, no, we've, I, I mean, I think there's been some huge strides. Um, you know, I'd say from uh, the CT was introduced in the late 70s, and then I'd say in the 2000s, radiation dose went down significantly, and then again, it's gone down. Every decade, it goes down quite a bit.
0: Oh, great. So, okay.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, It's it's a.
0: So, it's, like, how many chest x-rays would a CT scan be equivalent to today?
1: Um, so I like to actually compare it to a flight. So because people take transatlantic oh, great flights idea. all the time. Love or that. I would actually also compare it to, so if you lived in Denver, which is maybe a little closer to the sun than some of the other um, places right. you might live, but you know, you're know you up in the mountains. If you live there, live and breathe there for a year, that's yeah. probably uh, equivalent to a chest CT. Huh? Wow. What a great
0: way to do that. I I like that. Yeah. So if you use something
1: like an x-ray, you're getting much different information, you know? So it's, it's kind of apples and oranges because you get such a different amount of information with a CT scan than you do with an x-ray. So I don't like comparing those two. I like comparing it to something people kind of live and breathe and do No, that's excellent
0: contextualization. Like, what about a plane flight? What's the, how many plane flights are in a CT scan or vice versa?
1: <laughs> so, um, you know, you can you can do a, and it also depends on size, right? So each person would have a different amount of radiation dose dependent on their size um, right. and what we're scanning. And right. so a flight from New York to London is about half a unit that we use of, of radiation dose half. A okay, so a round trip
0: um, New York to London is kind of the same as getting a CT scan.
1: Um, no, it w- depends on what part of the body. So if you did a wow. head, CT scan, then yes, probably okay. a flight round trip is the same as one head CT scan.
0: Well, most people say way. that my head needs to be scanned on a regular basis, so maybe I'll just <laughs> intersperse it. Next time I'm planning on going on a vacation in Europe, I'll just get a CT scan instead.
1: Rotate, right? Yeah, I'll
0: one rotate of each. it. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know, by the way, I think that's brilliant, uh, doing it that way. Because I, think, I don't think a lot of people think of getting in an airplane as being radiation or getting a radiation dose.
1: Right. Exactly, or just living and breathing, or you know, eating a banana is actually radiation dose. So there's a lot eating of eating a banana.
0: That oh, wait a second! <laughs> I'm yes. not gonna let you get away on that one that easily. What do you mean eating a banana is a radiation dose? <laughs> like, <laughs> um,
1: there is radiation. minds want to know. <laughs> I know there is radiation in bananas. I would have to Google really? how much radiation in eating a banana. I mean, obviously the wow. measurement is very different, um, yeah. but there is a small amount of potassium that's considered radioactive and so there's it's very small comparatively you'd have to eat oh,
0: because of the bunches potassium. of
1: bananas yes huh. you'd have to eat a lot of bunches of bananas to be anywhere close to a scan of any sort but um oh. radiation sources are all around is basically
0: fascinating with that. that is that is awesome <laughs> i'm gonna look at bananas in a completely different way now <laughs> All right. Okay. What happens? We're diverging. We're diverging. No, no, no. I know. We go back. But I just, I guess, like, what happens if I eat a banana while I'm flying to London for a CT scan? Like, how do you like? No, I'm just kidding. It just yeah
1: exponential it just triplicates wow okay
0: that is great okay so where how do we get on this topic okay so we were were talking
1: about patient safety and radiation dose and telling your customer something about their customer
0: thank you for staying on track i appreciate that um okay yeah so so the so the thing that i was kind of kind of really jumping on there was this idea of being a trusted advisor as you were saying um by providing and i thought the example you used of creating a a familiar environment. Is that the way you phrased it? I thought that was really cool. Are there any other examples like that? Or like what other kinds of things do you, do you sort of tell radiologists that help them think about what they're doing in a different way?
1: You know, I think there's a lot of things we kind of guide them on. Um, It really depends on, you know, what they're doing. We try to create, um, you know, one touch type automation for the systems so that, the technologist, the person who's using the system is spending more time with their patient instead of spending more time pressing buttons, setting things up, taking things down. Um, So, you know, that's, I think, another pretty deliberate thing that we do build in as much automation into the system um, so that, you know, they're doing the thing they're supposed to do, which is make the patient feel comfortable, make them sit still, lie still, um, do all that. So, yeah, it's, Pretty cool. So Uh,
0: how do you get this patient insight? What's your source of insight and how do you, what's, what just maybe help, help us understand a little bit about how you find it and then how do you determine whether it is an insight or not? You know, sometimes one person will say something, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, And then how do you distill that into something that you can, it sounds like you're distilling it into things that influence the product team itself. And the product itself, which is very cool, actually—that's real marketing, right? And then also, you know, how do you explain things to your customers? But I have this one funny story. That's you know, a pretty old story now, but we used to do focus groups at Procter and Gamble every Friday, and Nielsen ran them for us. And it was just one of many ways that P and G always helped us stay really close to our customers. We would do, you know, in-home visits was. I, my gosh, I, I, some of the biggest insights we had and some of the biggest things we did in the detergent category came from going and just watching people do their laundry. Uh, and it was amazing what you can learn when you do that. Now, that's a good story for another day, Randy. Let's make a make a note to talk about in-home laundry visits. Um, but uh, one of my favorite stories I was doing, it was a focus group. And focus groups are typically not super duper honest. So that's where I'm kind of going with you on this one and I, I I jokingly say focus groups are a place where you pay people to lie to you and uh, and we had this one focus group where everyone was trying to be like you know trying to present themselves the way they want others to see them right That's kind of mm-hmm. part of the human condition and part of what happens in focus groups. I want to be sure. seen as whatever I want people to think of me and and that's usually maybe a better version of myself. Of but there was this one woman I don't remember her name, but she was just wonderful. she was super tired. And she had like four kids or something like that, and she was clearly like burning the candle at like all twelve ends, you know. Just, just it was just a lot going on in her life, and and everyone was talking about how they do their laundry and all this like wonderful laundry habits and stuff like that, and she sort of was just like, I don't know. She said she just kind of kind of shook her head and she said. Don't you hate it when, like, you know, you put in a load of laundry and then you like don't get back to it for like three or four days because you're so busy? And then when you when you like open the washing machine, it's all covered in mold and you have to wash it again.
1: Silence, <laughs> silence,
0: <Right? laughs> like pin drop silence, and the room, like everyone in the room, they slowly like just rotated their heads to order in like horrified looks in everyone's faces, and one person said mold (laughs) and then she was like yeah and then she was like and you could just see her go i should not have said that and and what was like this brief moment and i just we could never drill in to understand if that was a common thing or not it was very 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 hard to ever figure out if that's something that people dealt with on a regular basis because people were horrified to admit that this happened to them. And mm-hmm. I suspect is actually more common. Well we just we couldn't get there. So that's the framing of it. So yes. help me understand how you so you know where I'm going with this, right? Which is yes. how do you really distill what people are really saying and what they're really and and how do you how, so how do you go through that and then how do you bake that into something that you can use?
1: So funny Shasta, I I mean I think it's a journey. Um, I think we need to continue improving on how we get customer insight. Um, So that, and that changes. And, you know, as you said, in things like focus groups or, you know, even these third party interviews that happen and they don't know we're listening, double-blinded studies, all of that, you know, there's always a question on that. Um, It sounds like the in-home laundry visits that you reference are something similar that we're also being more deliberate about. So we are, going into sites and just watching them for the day and seeing how they how they operate. Um, I actually gave my team a challenge this year that every I said 5% of your time, which means every quarter, three days, you go into a site. And to be honest, like, like, these are marketers, and they definitely have customer connections. So there's no, I think, you know big deal to really go into a site make a connection and and go talk to a site that has our equipment or maybe even a site that doesn't have our equipment wouldn't that be an interesting amount of information you can gather there right um and then you know we have them kind of come back with that information the other thing that's interesting which may be unique in our field is when we have our equipment installed somewhere we have people who go in we call them the application specialists they go in and teach them how to use the system for 5 days and they come back every so often for follow up visits they are a wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. we have field engineers who go in to service the equipment you know annually and they're a wealth of knowledge and if anything right. breaks they go in so you know mm-hmm. gathering all those insights from all the various people in GE healthcare but also The people who are you know the customers the people who are already getting that information and then us ourselves going and sitting and watching them do stuff and then we're once we get our rhythm going of us going in to watch the sites i would love to drag a few engineers with me (laughs) so that they will you know watch this and see and they're excited they'd love to go and see that the problems that they're solving in the office are the problems that our customers actually have so Mm. It's That's a journey. Um, we're not yeah. in ideal state yet, but I think the intention is right.
0: Well, yeah, I love that discipline you're putting in place. You know, people talk about being customer centric, but until you're really spending time, it, you, you can't. Just, you're just pretending if you're not really doing what you just talked about. Um, another thing I heard the other day, and it was it was a Artith Albee was a, a a guest on the show a couple weeks ago. And she made this great comment that's been really sticking in my brain. Now, let me let me give it to you, and like we can talk about it. But she said she does a lot of B two B. She's a B two B marketing strategist, and she she written an article that I had kind of randomly ran across, and I thought the article was brilliant. And I did a whole show on it, and then then we brought her on the show and we interviewed her, and I was like even more brilliant. She's like genius. But she made this comment, which is a lot of companies say they're customer centric, but they express their business goals through the lens of their own company. They're, we wanna grow 30%, or we wanna sell 100,000 units, or we wanna make a million dollars, or whatever. Like, you know, you know, metrics that are about their company. Mm-hmm. And she said, she posed this as a challenge, because she said I don't, she hadn't seen anyone do this. And the challenge that she posed was, if you're truly customer-centric, wouldn't your mission, vision, and KPIs be expressed in terms of your customers' outcomes? Like, just like think about that for a second, right? So you start to think, you know, instead of the mission being to, you know, be the world's leading software company, and let's just make it something generic, mm-hmm. would it be to be, to, you know, for our customers to you know, double customer satisfaction scores? That would be your mission. Right. Uh, or that instead of your goal to be grow the business 30%, it would be to allow customers to save 25% on every say in your case scan that they do or whatever like right. just and i and i have been sort of tossing this in my brain for the last couple of weeks ever since we we talked about it because it's it got pretty far reaching implications for how you think about a business but just because we're like chatting here and having a good time. Yeah. What, what do you think? Like, how does that, because you do sound, I mean, what I love about the way you're talking about what you do is you're very customer-centric. Like, you're like digging right in, getting on site, talking to people. Like, that's not as common as one would think, right? Um, but as you, if you were to reframe what you're doing in customer terms, could you, would you, how would you do that?
1: So, we try to. I would say, Um, you know, what she's saying, I think customer outcomes would be, I wouldn't say we do customer business outcomes, but we do to a certain extent. So let me give you an example. We have some customers with some really old equipment and they haven't updated this equipment in, I don't know, 15 years. And to be honest, there's no technology I have. That's 15 years old anymore <laughs> you know it's, it's not such great technology anymore if you think about all this you know stuff that you have that's considered technology or you know, high-end technology you don't have anything that's your phone your tv most of it's not 15 years so what we tell them or what we measure before we go to them as why you should replace this is we do kind of a what you can consider like a time motion study and we say okay today what you're doing you're getting 10 patients through in a day, you're, Mm. you know, you have, or you have say half hour time slots for your patients call it half hour time Mm. slots for an eight hour day, you get 16 patients through a day. With our system, you can go faster, there's less clicks, it's more automated, you know, whatever that reason might be, that we think you can get three patients through per hour, and three times eight, 24 patients through a day. So you can get eight more patients through a day. And what does that mean for them eight more patients times however much a ct scan costs based on you know whatever they're scanning you know that's a very like that's more revenue for them um without opening up the eight-hour slot to a 10-hour slot they're still paying their staff for an eight-hour day they're getting eight more patients a day over a course of a year that can translate to a lot of extra revenue so we do try to financially quantify the benefits of our equipment
0: do you ever talk patient safety is that a compelling argument or is it the financial argument that's more compelling
1: um well what we do also try to do is for equipment that's older we try to provide upgrade paths for things like patient safety so you know we might not be able to fully automate it and make it go faster but we do provide some of the radiation dose reduction software that we've come up with or things like that, Mm. that they can kind of make it backward compatible. So I think from that standpoint, we do try to protect it in other ways. Um, And it is very variable uh, in terms of patient radiation dose. So radiation dose Mm. is pretty much the topic when it comes to patient safety. And it gets so hard to quantify because every size patient, every, part right. of the body, every preference. I mean, more radiation dose means a prettier picture also. So if
0: the oh, radiologist
1: wants to see a prettier picture, they might be okay with doing right. a little bit more radiation dose. So, um, huh. you know, there's a lot of variability in how to quantify that.
0: Very cool. Wow, this this has been so interesting. <laughs> I have really enjoyed this. Uh, all right, so <laughs> let, me, let me ask one last question because we're kind of on time. And I, by the way, really appreciate the time you've given us today, its it's been awesome. Um, so I always like to ask people, and we can reframe this if you're like, I don't know if I can go there or or I don't have a thing there. But I always like to ask people what they consider their greatest marketing challenge. and, And this is like, sometimes people ask the question as, you know, what keeps you up at night? And sometimes people say, what are you most worried about? I don't love those ones because, you know, no matter what's going on in my life, nothing keeps me up at night. So I, I'm not sure. Like, so people ask me that question, I go nothing. Um, but the, I do think there's always a greatest challenge. You know, the thing that is taking the most amount of time, or maybe the thing that we're spending more time on as a team, or the thing that we're working on more. So, help me understand what's what's your greatest challenge? Where do you where are you investing most of your or a lot of your um, mental bandwidth and team effort?
1: It's a good question. Um, I think. Right now the greatest challenge, especially in the environment we're in, masks on, masks off, travel and don't Mm. travel, red countries, blue countries, you know, all of that. You know, we were in a world where we used to have giant trade shows and people would just show up, everybody would know about our product because there were, you know, balloons and streamers and (laughs) marching bands. And now we're in a world where I've I've
0: been to hymns many, many, many times. (laughs) and the ge booth was always the best like you always had an incredible booth like it was always always we we did okay at microsoft but boy the ge booth always was just like i was i was so jealous
1: thank you anyway so Uh, keep going so so, yeah that day is is over you're right i I think those days are are kind of getting past us um the other thing is you know even as part of our regular sales process site visits where people would go to another site similar size and go watch how those people scanned and what they did and get a chance to talk to them. So think of it like a test drive almost of you know such a big equipment. You can, don't really test drive it in your own house. You go to another site, see how they do it. And people are like, I don't wanna travel anymore. Um, mm. You know, For two years I, I did it without traveling. Why do I have to travel now to go see it? So how do we bring the experience to them? How do we make sure that they know when we launch a new product because they may not have come to that big giant trade show which isn't so big and giant anymore how do we get that awareness out there and so for the you know 40 50, ge systems floating around how do we make sure they know what's out there know what the next thing is uh really drive that awareness
0: wow that is a big challenge yeah. <laughs> yes
1: we're working on it Be-
0: well it, no it's a huge challenge because you know, in many of these industries, we became very comfortable and reliant on these big shows. They just, they were there and they were, they were amazing because everybody went to them. It's a completely different world. And GE was big enough and important enough that no matter, you you may not have been able to visit every single booth at Hymns. In fact, no one could possibly visit every single booth at Hymns. At the one point, it was the largest trade show period in the world. Um, But I think everyone went to the GE booth. Yeah. Like I mean, you wouldn't miss that booth, right? So <laughs> anyway, well, this has been amazing. Sonia, thank you for the time. I thank really appreciate you. it. Uh, I'm going to close in a second, but you know, any last thoughts or anything else you want to get the, to have people think about in the audience or anything you want to close with?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think we had a good conversation about customer centric. And you know, I think that's a, a very big deal. Um, I think making sure that you're doing something that you're, you're telling your customer something about their customer is really what we're trying to get towards um that's a big idea helps them quite a bit you act more of a a consultant than as a you know trying to sell them equipment yeah i know
0: that's my key takeaway from today's conversation is amazing well thank you very much so i'm just going to close now so we've been talking with sonia sani she is the cmo of molecular imaging and ct scanners at ge healthcare very generous with her time with us today and we had a really great conversation sonya thank you very much for the unified cxm experience i'm grad Khan, and i'll see you next time